You have been made with a purpose and given specific gifts to accomplish your mission. This is Requip. Stay tuned to gain insights to prepare, equip, and empower you to do the work of ministry. Hey guys, welcome back to Renew's Discipleship Curriculum. We're all the way Part 10, this is the final step, the final part that we're going through. And of course, this isn't the end. This is the end of this process, the end of this curriculum. But this is just meant to give you some tools. Now you got to go out and do it. You, you're equipped. You've been given enough tools. Not everything. God's going to continue to train you and you're going to be continue to learn more and as you go through things you'll be able to do more and all that but you have enough don't believe the lie that you need to keep learning you got to keep getting all this information before you do anything keep learning while you're doing things we're called to go out and make disciples and disciple them jesus made the mission of the church so simple it's not easy, but it's simple. It's something that's difficult. It's something that takes a large investment on your part. And even just being a disciple, that takes an investment. And I hope that throughout this whole thing, we've begun to break down this false notion that we primarily have in the Western world, that we've developed over time, over the centuries, that there is a Christian, somebody that puts their faith in Jesus, and then there's a next level Christian, a disciple. And then a next level where you make disciples. That's not what you see in the scriptures. What you see is somebody that gives their life to Christ and they are radically changed. They are transformed. And this supernatural fruit begins to pour out of them. And there's this period, they're learning things also, just like we've broken up this study here, where it is things to know, the first half really, and then we've transitioned and we're finishing off and it is prepared to go. And that's the way I think we need to approach this. And Jesus made it so clear, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says to his disciples, which passed it on to their disciples and all the way to us. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So at this point, you need to make a decision. At this point, you need to start thinking, Am I going to take this seriously? Am I going to take Jesus's command and his word seriously? And am I going to partner with the local church? Am I going to take that step and be part of a movement that Jesus started where he is sharing the gospel, where they are making disciples, where people are being trained to use their gifts, talents, and resources for the betterment of the kingdom of God and not just for themselves? Are we going to make that decision today? And I want to start off with a big picture, and we're in week 10, and this is on bearing fruit. This is spiritual fruit through all the things you learn. We're not going to say, go work really hard and do things. You should be abiding in Christ. You should be learning from God through the Spirit of God, through the Scriptures, and through this lesson, and through other things. And the more you put into you, 
the more that comes out of you. But with a big picture, God has actually designed you to grow and produce spiritual fruit. Designed you in such a way that you'll do it and it will last. And what that means is you're investing in other people. And that is the biggest investment, the best investment you can do. And that's where God wants you to spend most of your time. Think about the life of Jesus. Yeah, he talked to a lot of people. He even healed people and he showed that he was the Messiah. But he did most of the time, even more than pray, even more than fulfill the law, even more than any of that, he invested in the life of 12 people. He invested his life into other people and they in turn did the same thing. And I wonder if you would step up and do that as well. I wonder if you would see, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my resources? How can I contribute? How can I be part of this? How can I be part of the movement that Jesus started? I'm not talking about just going to attend a church. That's not what you're designed to do. You're designed to bear spiritual fruit. We are all meant to grow spiritually. And the evidence that we are mature is seen through our spiritual fruit. If you think of it in this way, if we are a garden, we wouldn't just be satisfied with just having a plant for years unless that plant actually produced fruit that it was designed to produce. There is a call for all Christians to go. And as we talked about before, we're not necessarily talking about a specific destination. It's more of a direction. Discipleship is more about a direction than it is a destination. Yes, God might call you to physically go somewhere else, but he's more calling you to go give your life to someone else, to to invest into someone else, to pour out your life, to, to just give it away, to live that generous life where you are investing in someone else. There is really a misconception that some people have that there's just some people called to the ministry. You ever heard people say that? They're like, yeah, I gave my life to Christ and you know, I was battling with God, but eventually I decided to go into the ministry. Well, that is not what you see in the Bible at all. You never see that. You see somebody that is radically saved and they are automatically involved in the ministry whether they're paid or not, whether they're on staff at a church or not. You have been given spiritual gifts as we've talked about before. And you have an encounter with Jesus and you have the ability to share that encounter with other people. And then the things you've learned, you have the ability and the mandate to pour out and give that out to somebody else. It's not about knowing everything about everything, but it's about sharing what you've been given. That's exactly what we see throughout. The goal is to make disciples. It's God's desire that Christians grow individually in Christ and corporately in the body of Christ. Although we have this desire to produce fruit, the means to do so is by being connected to Jesus in a relationship. We don't wanna fake it. We don't wanna just bare knuckle it and work really hard so that people can see that we do a bunch of good things. We wanna be connected to Jesus. That's the point, is to have this close abiding relationship with Jesus. Christians, disciples must be connected to the source. What that means is we need to be connected to Jesus. To have the supernatural overflowing of bearing fruit, there's a way to rely on ourselves. There's a way that we will sometimes slip back into that. 
but we need to go back, be connected to Christ. Because if not, one, the fruit is not really beneficial to other people in a lasting, meaningful way. And it's definitely not beneficial to us. When we're connected to Jesus and we're bearing that kind of fruit, that spiritual, the supernatural fruit is coming out of us that's really from the Holy Spirit, it's not even from us, then we are credited to that in heaven. Jesus said, don't store up your treasure here on earth. Not because there's anything actually wrong with that, but that's just a waste of your resources. That's a waste of your investment. Instead, store up your treasure in heaven because that stuff doesn't wear out. You get to enjoy that for eternity. You get, maybe that's more time with Jesus. I don't know. We don't fully know what all the spiritual treasures are and all the the physical treasures that we have in heaven. We don't know what it is completely, but probably the best gift there could be is to be close to Jesus in there. And we know there's some distinctions in heaven. Don't have full time to go throughout this right now, but there are some distinctions in heaven and we have the ability that we get to invest into our eternity. It doesn't save us. It doesn't get us to heaven, but we get to have that judgment where God is giving us rewards. He's not punishing us, but he's giving us reward. He wants to reward us. I wanna move down to key takeaways in this session here. I want you to recognize that the ends do not justify the means because God looks inwardly and not only outwardly. God is most interested in the change in our hearts. We see that throughout the Bible. Many of us get off track along with our Christian journeys. We're going along because we focus on external production and less on internal transformation. It does not matter if we are leading a group or leading a church. We all get off track. No matter where you are, we have the tendency to get off course. Doesn't matter if somebody says, wow, that's a successful ministry. There's a ton of people going to that church. We can go off course, even if it looks like from the outside, we're producing a ton of fruit. We need to understand that. We might notice that we are too concerned with attendance, with a building, or with notoriety. But motives matter to God. I want to repeat that. Motives matter to God. Why? Because he's concerned with our heart. God is so concerned with our heart that he cares why we do something and not just what we do or that we do something. God cares about our motives because it reveals if it's real fruit or not. When we go after Jesus as the source, we will produce fruit. That is a promise. That is a guarantee. If we are connected to Jesus, we will produce fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, he said, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then John 15, five, giving this analogy of being connected to a source, the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see the promise there? You will produce fruit. You definitely will produce spiritual fruit. Large gatherings, buildings, and name recognition is not synonymous with bearing fruit. 
It might be, but it's not necessarily synonymous with bearing fruit. It's very easy to think about tangible things in dealing with spiritual fruit or dealing with bearing fruit because they are involved with a ministry, maybe. Maybe you're involved with a ministry and you think, hey, this must be great. Things must be going in the right direction because, I mean, look at all these people. Look at all the money people are donating. Look at all the buildings that we're able to build, maybe within a church that you're part of. And you might just think, well, hey, look, all this is there. But listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 12 through 13. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. If anyone builds a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. You know, the Bible actually talks about that's why trials come. That's why tests come. That, that's what he's doing. He's, he's allowing these things and he's actually bringing these tests to us because it reveals what's actually there. The most loving thing God can do is bring something really hard in your life. He brings these things because have you ever noticed it just breaks you down to whatever the bare foundation is? And that reveals what is the actual fruit that's there. Producing fruit is a process, not a one-time event. And repentance produces fruit. The evidence that we are passionately following Jesus is how much we reject sin now. Not that we rejected sin one time back in our lives. It's that we now reject sin, that we're continually to repent. John the Baptist in Matthew Chapter three, verse eight says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And that's a principle that's true. When we continually reject sin, we continually turn back because we are prone to wander. If you guys remember that hymn where it says, I am prone to wander. Man, whenever I hear that, I just, I begin to weep because I know that's, that's my state. That's my natural state. I have to go supernatural. I got to trust in Jesus. I got to say, I don't deserve you, Jesus. I need you. You died on the cross for my sins. You rose again on the third day and you've given me the Holy Spirit. You've sealed me with the Holy Spirit. You've adopted me into your family, not by works. I can't boast. I can't brag about anything I've done. And all of a sudden we get close to Jesus and the spiritual fruit begins to flow out of us because we repent because we turn back to him. We have this sort of negative connotation about repentance. It's almost a word that we don't hear a lot anymore in churches or around Christianity, but this is a word that was throughout the Bible. And in fact, remember Jesus's ministry. Throughout Jesus's ministry, his message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, stop going that direction. You, you can't do those things and follow me. You can't be in that lifestyle. I don't know if it's with you right now, if it's a sexual lifestyle that is outside of God's will, outside of one man, one woman in marriage. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're walking in that direction. He said, you can't walk in that direction because I'm not over there. You gotta repent. You have to turn around and follow me. Maybe it's you're abusing substances or, or maybe you are um, addicted to something. He's saying you can't go after that. Maybe you are greedy. You're in love with money. Maybe you, you are unwilling to give to others. 
whatever it is, he's saying, whatever that place is that the Holy Spirit will illuminate to you, you got to repent right away. Don't wait. Don't wait at all. Repent and turn back to him because we get to have that close fellowship with him. The biggest lie is that we think we're close to God when we're really not. We don't want to be in that position. So moving on, what are you doing now doesn't mean God's finished with you. Maybe you're in a place and you think, I never thought I would be here. I always swore to myself I would never do that. I always swore to myself I would never go back to that place, but you're there. Just because you're there now doesn't mean God's finished with you. The Christian life is a journey. Being a disciple is a journey. Remember, it's about a direction closer and closer to Jesus. It's not a destination. None of us have arrived. None of us have been fully developed into the the godly character that Jesus is doing in our own hearts. Where you are right now does not determine where you'll be finished. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. In fact, God often chooses the weak things in the world to confound the wise. He he takes the the people that were so far away from him. In fact, that's all of us, but it's only when you see and recognize that you're far away from God that he brings you into his family. If you think you made it on your own, you have no need for God. You have no need for him. And you might do a whole bunch of good things. And maybe even people think that you're doing spiritual things. And maybe you can even convince yourself that you are producing spiritual fruit. You can say, look at all the good things I've done. But at the end of time, Jesus might say, I never knew you. Because the most important thing is the relationship with Jesus. And then out of that comes spiritual fruit. Philippians 1.6, what an encouraging word, says, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day Christ Jesus Who needs to hear that today? I need to hear that. Where I am right now doesn't mean that's where I'm gonna end up. I just need to keep turning to Jesus. I don't need to pretend like I got it all together. I need to repent and follow Jesus. God partners with you to sanctify your spirit, soul, and body. You ever notice that that you're not just one thing, that we we are kind of three in one. We're kind of like God. He's made us in his image. We are three things, like he is three things in one. We are spirit, soul, and body. The body is the thing that's not gonna last here forever. The soul is connected to the body, but it's more of our mind, will, and emotions. But our spirit is that thing that's from God that's gonna last forever. And God is trying to work through and work out that spirit to get it in the place where he's trying to make it. And he's actually predestined us to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. Tells us that in Romans chapter eight, such a great promise that we we will be. That like, I just say that promise over myself. I even say that over my kids. Like, even though they're not where they need to be, even though I'm not where I need to be, Jesus, you promised. You promised it. I'm gonna pray your own words back to you. You promised I'm gonna be predestined into the image and likeness of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that God himself does this. I love that God is the one that sanctifies us. What that just means is separates us from doing our worldly thing, doing our sinful thing. He separates us. 
and he makes us more like God, more like Jesus. And I love that God does that because you don't want me doing that. You don't want me doing surgery on my own heart. Just get that visual for a second. Think about if you had to do heart surgery on yourself. Man, I'd rather I'd rather a physician do that. I'd rather him take that. But we need to produce fruit individually. As I talked about, it's individual, but it's also corporally. But first of all, produce fruit individually. In this manner, what fruit does God want us to produce? What does God want us to produce? So Paul lists off several intangible fruits. So things you can't physically touch, feel, or taste, but these are intangible things, what God actually cares about the most, that are present in the actions of Christians. These are those things that God is working these qualities in you. And whenever they flow out of you, you can't be like, man, I'm a really good person. (laughs) You have to conclude, God must have done that. that. That didn't come from within me except that it came from the Holy Spirit within me. Galatians 5, through 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is what you do also. There's things that you actually do. Christians are called to go and use their individual gifts to share the gospel. The call to all Christians is simple. Go make disciples. Disciples are made through the teaching and preaching of the gospel. You might say, yeah, I remember we went through the spiritual gifts and there's only one person that's a teacher there's, there, and there's a pastor and uh, that's, I'm, that's not what I am. You might not have those gifts in, in the strongest way. You might not be in that office, so to speak, as we talked about before, but we all have a responsibility to give out the things we've been given. We can give out what God's given to us and we can pour out those spiritual fruit that he's, we can be loving to people. We can be kind to people. We can be patient to people. We can have joy even when we don't feel well, right? That's a choice. We can choose to believe what God said and have that joy. Then the master told the servant, listen to this, go out to the road and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full in Luke 14, 23. That's our call. Isn't that within you? Isn't that something? I know we fight against our our flesh, our bodies, the things that, ah, that's uncomfortable. I don't know about that. I, I just don't feel right about that. But what I'm saying is when you get close to God, when you continually to draw near to God, and, and, I, and I feel you right now pushing back. You're like, what do you mean I am close to God? Just because I don't do that, what do you mean? Well, that's not that's not spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit is when you are so loving, you are so kind, these words that you are pouring into yourself, it just comes out of you. It's just going to come up to tell your story, to instruct your kids, disciple your kid, to care for people that are around and say, maybe they ask, why, why don't you do that? Or why do you do that? There, there should be a distinction. Jesus called us, we are light. We are light of the world. And he gave this analogy. He said, just like a lamp, when you light a lamp, no one covers that with a basket. But then he says something interesting. He says, let your light shine before men so that they will glorify your father in heaven. Our job is not to go out and do a whole bunch of good things like with our own effort, We just need to make a conscious effort not to hide those things that we know want to come out. 
You ever been in a conversation with somebody and if you were in a different setting, maybe around other Christians, you might let these things pour out. You might let them just flow out of you. But when you're in a conversation with somebody that you're not sure where they stand, maybe they're hesitant or maybe they're hostile, you kind of hold those back. You kind of put a basket on that light. He's just saying, just remove the basket from your light. Just remove that. And it will naturally come out. That's what he continues to tell us. So now I want to move on to produce fruit corporately. Join your family in service. We need to think of it in that term. We need to join our family in service. Sometimes people will say that they love Jesus, but they hate the church. Maybe they'll just say, I just, you know, I don't like organized religion. You know, I'm spiritual. Uh, I'm working on myself. Uh, I've got these kind of Christian self-help books. Um, I'm reading the Bible. I'm taking devotion and I'm, I'm really learning. I'm working on myself. But you're like, ah, but I don't really go to church. I don't really, I'm not in a small group where I'm talking to people. I'm confessing things to people and where they're sharpening me because they they have some words that are different than I understand. And I have some things different than them. And we're kind of working these things out. You're like, yeah, I don't have time for that because, you know, I'm, I'm not really about organized religion. It's like saying I love healing but I hate to be in a hospital. It should be no surprise that there are sick people in the process of healing in a hospital. So we should not be surprised that when we go into church, there's hurting people. Even, let me just, this might surprise you, even those people that have a title, even those people that are called pastors or a leader in some way or deacon or whatever title you call them, guess what? They're still hurting people. They're people that are working through the process, that God's still working on them. And sometimes, you know, when you get in a leadership position, we always, we think often, well, you're in that leadership position because you're doing better than me. Not all the time. There are qualifications for a leader and an elder, but often when God places a leader in that position, it's because God's still working some things out of them. And you can only work some things out when you get in that position. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He's saying when we get around other people, when we get around other believers, we want to because they're in the light, and we want to walk in the light. And listen to what it says there. The sun purifies us from all sin. That is part of the process. It doesn't save you. You're already saved by grace through faith. You put your trust in Jesus. He has washed your sins away. You are completely clean, meaning you have no debt of sin. You are accepted to God. But there's still some issues you need to work out. And that is what the church is for. That is what the small group is for to work those things out. And that is what I hope this group is doing. Whoever you're going with this through needs to be a group. You can't just do this solo because there's things that you can only work out if you're transparent, if you're honest, if you're working these things out. And God uses other faulty Christians to work things out of you. Everyone doesn't do the same thing, but everyone does something in the family. This is the family. We are a body. As I said before, God doesn't have any dead weight in the family. He doesn't have any dead weight in the body. Everyone doesn't do the same thing, but everyone does something. If you have ever criticized the church, I'm talking to myself right here. If you've ever criticized the church that you're in, that's that's actually a good sign. 
that's actually a good sign. If you've criticized, I don't mean insulted and you're being harsh and you're trying to hurt people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you see something, you're like, man, why does the church do that? The church ought to be doing, and maybe something came to your mind right when I say that. Think about that. The church ought to be what? What should the church ought to be doing? If you can match that up with a scripture, I think God might be leading you to do something. I think God might be planting a seed in you to say, you know, I could be a part of that. You know, maybe I could lead that. Maybe I could contribute to somebody that's doing that. So that's actually a good thing. It's not a good thing to just criticize things. That That's not good for anyone. That doesn't do anyone any good unless you're helping to instruct and then you're helping to construct, meaning you're getting involved. Each member has an intended function as we've talked about before. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Hey, that's your job. You're like, hey, what am I supposed to do? That's what you're supposed to do. That's why you go to church. You don't go to church to see a, a concert. That's not why you go. You go to spur other people on. And while you're doing that, you're worshiping. While you're doing that, you're hearing the word. You're studying. You're learning. But you also have a thing to contribute. You're not just a consumer. God's never designed you to be a consumer because you know what happens? You get disenfranchised. You get bored. You don't see a purpose in your life. God has given you a purpose greater probably than you see in yourself right now. And what I'm telling you is if you invest into other people, just like it says here in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25. Let me read the whole thing again here. And let us consider, that means think ahead of time, how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as the day is approaching. You continually see this in the Bible. There should be a sense, to some degree, a sense of urgency that time is short, time is short. I need to be doing what God has put me on this planet to do. What, you, just taking you out of this world, like you're saved. W what's the purpose you being here? The purpose you being here is then to go invest in other people's lives. You need to have an, an urgency. I need to have an urgency about that to say, hey, I'm going to work. Why am I there? Okay, I need to invest in, I, I need to add value to somebody else. I need to invest into somebody else. Within the church, I need to make disciples. I need to invest in them. I need to help disciple them. I don't know everything, but I know something. I, I don't have every gift, but I have a gift. I can contribute. I have something to give. And Jesus told us, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom is righteous and all these other things, they're gonna be added to you. But when we go after the other things, like, oh no, but I really need to, um, worry about what I'm eating. I really need to worry about um, money stored up. I, I got to get a house. I, no, he's saying, you need to focus on the kingdom. I'm going to take care of all that. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 22 as we're closing. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject what is evil. That was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 through 22. I encourage you, go back and read that passage. That is so powerful. That is so crucial. Listen to what it tells us to do. Warn those who are idle. Maybe this is the time right now. I just need to warn you. Jesus said the day is short. Our life is like a mist. Our life is so short. I'm warning you, if you're idle, if you're just waiting, don't be idle. Or maybe you're disruptive. Maybe you just go and you just mess things up because you're just trying to break things. You're trying to, uh, you're just upset with people. Maybe, I, maybe you need that encouragement. You need to encourage the disheartened. Maybe you just feel disenfranchised. You're like, I've been in church a long time. I've seen this before. I've seen pastors fall in immoral ways. I've seen people backstab me. I've seen people be harmful to me. You know, I'm just done with it. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. God's got something for you. God's got some great days ahead of you that you, I'm telling you, when you invest in other people for their sake, you will get so much. It is the most important thing. It is the best thing for you to bear fruit. And I want to help the weak. Maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel like, I can't do it. I don't know what I'm, I, I just I just got saved maybe, or, or I've been a Christian a long time. I've never really produced much fruit. I don't know what I'm doing. God loves you. God is there for the weak. He is close to the brokenhearted. God takes the weak things to confound the wise. God's going to do something amazing in you. Just trust in him. Just abide in him. Just turn back to him. And I want to be patient with you also. But I also want to encourage you, don't be idle. Don't just wait around. Jesus is coming back soon. You have an opportunity here. You have an opportunity now to invest in eternity. What you do in this life has a direct correlation to the next life. Jesus has saved you by grace through faith. You can't earn it, but you get to earn a bunch of rewards in heaven. And I hope you do that. You've been listening to Requip Ministries and thanks so much for listening. And go ahead, head on over to our website for more resources. That's requip.org, R-E-Q-U-I-P.org. And you can always connect with me on social media as well. And until next time, we hope you follow the command to always be prepared for action.